Hello and welcome to the Business of Data podcast. My name is Catherine King and I'll be your host. In this podcast, we chat to senior executives from a range of departments, industries and functions, all about their passions, experiences and challenges within data analytics. Let's go ahead and dive straight into today's episode. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of the Business of Data podcast. This week we're talking all about empowering the people, specifically how data and analytics can empower a community to take control. Now to do just that, we have brought in the lovely Stephanie Costa-Lebo, who's the Chief Data Officer for the City of Boston. Now if you haven't had the pleasure of meeting Steph before, just a few intro facts to get you up to speed. She has been within the City of Boston since June 2015 and has been their CDO since May 2018. Prior to the city of Boston, she's worked within the city of Somerville and the George Washington Institute for Public Policy. Now, if you can't find her at her work desk, your best bet would be to pop on a hair cap and some golf balls and head to the swimming pool. Steph, it's lovely to have you joining us today. Thanks, Catherine. I'm happy to be here. It's amazing to have you. Now, when it comes to swimming, it's not just the exercise part you enjoy, but also kind of the mindfulness and meditation aspect of swimming that you really like as well, isn't it? Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, you know, just being in the water, can't even be listening to, to music. Um, I, I like having no distractions and, and swimming it's very rhythmic. So it's very calming and soothing in addition to being a great workout. Absolutely. I mean, we get to hear about so many people's different passions on the podcast and uh, there are a variety, but most of them really do come down to that mental well-being as well. As you say, that that mindfulness that you're able to really get into the zone that I mean, you can't really do too much thinking when you're swimming. You've really got to kind of keep your eye on what you're doing uh, when you're in the pool for certain. Well, thanks so much for joining me. And I mean, Let's dive in. I mean, set the scene for me, Steph. What does the data and analytics team look like within the city of Boston? Absolutely. So the analytics team here in Boston, we're the central data organization for um, for the entire city. Um, And we're really fortunate that Boston has invested in in our data and analytics team over the course of the last um, six or so years now. Um, I believe, I don't, I'm not... uh, I don't have official numbers, but I, I'm pretty sure we're one of the largest uh, municipal data teams in the entire country in the US. Uh, we have about 20, uh, 20 positions on the team and they range from analysts and project managers to uh, software developers and engineers. And we have a really broad range of, of competencies and responsibilities. So uh, we run the city's performance management program. We are responsible for the open data portal. We do business intelligence and data science, including geospatial analytics. We have a data engineering group that helps with uh, just moving data around, automating it, integrating across systems. Um, So it it really kind of runs you know, a, a good chunk of the data life cycle, which I think empowers us to, to do a lot um, for, for the city. Absolutely. And I suppose, um, you know, doing lots for the city, let's, let's zone in on that a little bit. I mean, what are your kind of aims as you know, being in the, in the public sector is obviously very different to uh, the, the majority of the guests who I have on the podcast who are private sector. So 
are there similarities in the sense of that you will be targeted at the moment with uh, doing more with less as we all are during the very turbulent times we've all been but also kind of improving services as well is that a, is that a fair thing to say that you're you're working towards absolutely um I, the the whole reason that that governments um city state and federal um, have really invested in teams like mine is to be able to do more with less and seeing the power of, of data to help um, to help accomplish uh, efficiencies. So especially in the local government where um, we're funding from state and federal sources has, has been on decline over the past couple decades, um, I think cities are really at the forefront of investing in data because they saw the writing on the wall that you know, less money was coming in from, from traditional sources. And at the same time, constituents and residents were expecting more and more in terms of their services. So, uh, so the focus of my team is really to help the city be both more efficient, but also more effective. It's not just about um, pursuing cost savings, um, you know, all day. We want to make sure that, you know, while cost savings is important, that we're also help facilitating the delivery of better services to, to residents. So there's a real focus on, on quality um, and, and, and as well as efficiency. Absolutely. And I mean, I know we will have all heard the phrase, you know, if you care about, if you measure it, you'll care about it. And I suppose the data analytics departments really do provide that for many of uh, organisations like yours in, in the city that actually by having this holistic view of these services, not only can you see where you can cut costs in, in the uh, revenue style, but also where you are able to improve, break down silos, join people together as well. So you, you're enabled to, to do that. Now, in the intro, Steph, I, when, when I gave the, the amount of time you've been within the city of Boston I mean it's a fairly significant amount of time so I'm keen to know what innovations have you seen within your time there and what's the journey been like for you yeah it's been really exciting to be a part of the analytics team um, basically since its inception and you know I've been able to to grow as I've watched the team grow and develop um, which has been incredibly rewarding um, and, and so I've really seen the maturation and the professionalization of, of data and analytics within the city. And, and so that's taken shape, um, you know, just in terms of, you know, team structure and the roles that we hire for and, and you know, and the people that we're able to, to recruit. Um, you wouldn't believe the talent that, that the city is able to, um, to bring in to do this kind of work. Um, it's, it's truly incredible. Um, and, you know, I think, in addition to, you know, we've worked in transportation, housing, um, we've, we've done a lot of work to help streamline internal operations uh, in administration and finance. Um, so so there's, there's so many different, um, you know, specific projects that, that I could talk about, but in terms of, of the core work of our team and, and some strides that we've made, um, you know, I think some of the big things are, are implementing the city's first data warehouse um, was a real milestone in terms of the professionalization of, of, what, um, of what we can do for the organization. And alongside that, we've really streamlined tools and technology. Um, so when I started in 2015, it was a pretty uh, diverse and varied landscape of, of tools and technology. Data was incredibly siloed. There were different levels of access and permissions and it was just really um, a lot to to keep track of. So um, you know, so with the data warehouse and and really 
focusing on what are the core tools that our team wants to support and how do we how do we move off of some of these other legacy systems um, and and you know just have a, a smaller, more effective, and easier to manage um, set of technology that both we can use, but that we can um, that we can share and and train others on. Um, I think that's been you know one of the sort of foundational um, examples of of what the team's been able to do as it's as it's grown since 2015. Wow, what what a journey! And uh, and actually, it's it's interesting you should raise the the fact that there's so many projects you could talk about because one thing I was really keen for us to focus in on today, and obviously the the title of the episode is all surrounding it, is this fantastic project you've been working on with regards to short-term rental because I know it's been such a big challenge that you've been facing and you've done some incredible work dealing with it. So I think our listeners will absolutely love this story. But first of all. It is a global listenership that we have, and even I had to confirm with you what this challenge meant in, in reality. So let's go right back to basics. Short-term rental, what has been the challenge that you've been experiencing uh, with that in Boston? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, you know, in the past decade or so, uh, I'm sure many people are familiar with the, the various platforms out there where you can um, rent a, a room or an entire home for, for a short stay um, all around the world. And, um, and the same is true here in Boston. And, uh, you know, starting a few years ago, um, our, our housing department um, and, and policy leaders in the city uh, were starting to hear from community groups and advocates that short-term rentals were, um, you know, were causing some, some issues in, in various neighborhoods throughout the city. Um, so, um, you know, there's, there's obviously a lot of money to be made if, um, if you can rent out um, a property that you own in that way. And what we were seeing was that in certain parts of the city, uh, properties were being bought up by, by large developers and they were being run as, as almost de facto hotels, um, which is problematic from a couple, for a couple reasons. One is that there's a reason that hotels are regulated and have to hold certain licenses. You know, there are, there are health and safety standards um, that, that we apply to, to businesses mm -hmm. and, and those regulations are there for a reason. And, and this is sort of uh, basically doing the same service, but not having to comply with, with any of those standards and regulations. Um, and the second issue is that it was changing the character of, of neighborhoods and taking long-term housing out of the housing market. And, um, you know, for those who aren't familiar with the Boston area, um, you know, we have a really tight housing market and, and housing affordability has been uh, a top issue for constituents and for and for the city for a long time. And so we didn't want to see more and more housing units leave the long-term rental market because that would reduce supply and increase costs for, for everyone else and, and just exacerbate some of the, the housing issues that we were already facing. So the city decided in 2018 to implement an ordinance that would set regulations for short-term rentals. We didn't want to outlaw them completely because we also recognize that this is a way that some of our, our constituents make money and, and earn a living. Um, but we wanted to put some sensible regulations in place 
that would prevent the scenario of someone buying up an entire building and running a de facto hotel while still, in, still allowing someone that, um, you know, say owns a two or three family home to rent out one of those units as a short-term rental um, and, and have that as an income source. Yeah. Um, so it's all about the, that balance, I suppose. Yeah, absolutely. So it's all about that balance, I suppose, because as you say, you don't want to be taking away the, the living of some of your constituents in favour of others, but actually it's about making sure that the entire community is, is on board. So, I mean, thank you so much for outlining that challenge. Now, from looking at it from the outside, I could see why many people would be like, okay, so how does data analytics get involved in this? And you, you mentioned there that you the city decided to do an ordinance. And I believe that was kind of your introduction as part of the data analytics department to become involved in this challenge and really, really help. So talk me through what that looked like. Absolutely. Um, so the ordinance laid out a set of criteria that determined who would be eligible to apply for uh, a license to run a short-term rental. Um, and that criteria was, um, was pretty deep and specific and, um, and ran across items that were managed by a lot of different city departments. And so um, where, where we came in was the first thing we needed to do was create a new data set from scratch that would determine the eligibility of every single residential housing unit in the entire city. Um, wow. So, <laughs> yeah. So we needed a data set for every residential unit that would tell you, is this unit eligible to be a short-term rental, yes or no? Um, and it's actually a little bit more complicated than that because there were three different types of licenses. So, um, so we had to we had to be able to tell, you know, is this unit eligible for each different type? Yes or no? Um, and so that involved gathering data from our assessing department, from inspectional services, from public works, from 311. Um, all of these different sources, I think six or seven um, in, in the end, and, and merging them to create this, uh, this you know, unified eligibility <laughs> data set. Um, and many of these data sources had never been, you know, been, been joined before, um, at least not at such scale. Um, and, and so that was really where our involvement um, came in. But data was also, we, we knew from the beginning that data was going to be important for, for enforcement as well. And so, um, you know, what was really great and effective about, um, about this, this effort was that we were, we were kind of brought in from day one um, and, mm -hmm. and were able to sort of uh, be part of those policy discussions, be part of the, the implementation and enforcement team and, and really uh, consult with inspectional services and housing on, on how the decisions that they were making from a policy perspective would play out um, in, in the data. So I know there's going to be many listeners that think, Steph, how on earth did you get such an early seat at the table? Because many of them will be experiencing challenges like you, the city has been facing and they know they want to do an ordinance and there's these great ideas. But generally speaking, many of them will get brought in at some point that's almost a bit more awkward because they don't really know the, the context of, of what's come before them and kind of the plan. So 
why do you think you were there so early having that seat at the table? Was it the fact that you'd already been discussing this with the uh, policyholders? Is it the fact that you'd already shown value in previous use cases so they knew that and they understood the value you could bring there? How did that come about? Yeah, I think it's both of those things. So we had been involved in discussions, policy discussions around short-term rentals even before the ordinance was implemented helping to, um, to gather data and analyze that with our housing department um, to first evaluate what is the impact of short-term rentals on our housing market. Because we needed to do that work and, and do that analysis before we could be justified in, in rolling out um, new legislation and, and new processes. Absolutely. So I, I think that was part of it. Um, and then Certainly through, through the work that the team has done over, over the years, um, you know, we're, you know, we're known to, to leadership in the organization and I think seen as a, a valued and trusted partner in, um, in implementing these types of projects. And then the, the last thing is that it was explicitly written into the ordinance that there was at you know, very minimum uh, an open data requirement for this. So mm -hmm. um, that eligibility data set that, um, that we created was, was required by law to be made public facing through our open data portal. Um, and so when it's, when it's spelled out explicitly right there in the, in the legislation, it's, um, it's kind of hard not to, not to have us involved. I love that though, having it so explicit in black and white that, that you guys need to be involved. I mean, there will be executives who are listening to this absolutely wishing for that type of uh, approach and buy-in to being data-driven and, and understanding uh, the full full picture of the challenge. So, I mean, what a, what a challenge. So you, you've got all of these data sets that you want to connect together to basically collect, to create the mammoth mother load of a data set, really. What were the sorts of challenges that you were predicting when you were when you were going through this this journey, what were the sorts of barriers that you thought were going to come up? Did those challenges come up? How did you deal with those? But also, did new challenges arise that you perhaps didn't see uh, uh, coming your way? Yeah, absolutely. I think the biggest challenge that we both saw coming, but also surprised us at times, um, was data quality. So, um, you know, I, I think the city's probably in a similar situation to many private organizations where we have a you know, varied technology landscape, including a, a multitude of legacy platforms and systems, as well as some newer systems. Um, and especially in this case where we're working with data that is being managed by six or seven different departments, you have um, you know, different levels of, of data quality, different data standards in some cases. And so we knew that, that um, joining this data together was going to be a challenge and needed to be done very thoughtfully and carefully. Um, and for anyone that has ever had to um, you know, match on names or addresses, mm -hmm. um, especially with systems where, um, where information is sometimes being entered manually, right, um, or at least by, by an end user, right? Apply for one permit with, you know, saying my first name is Stephanie, and then I could call 311 and report an issue for a property and, and say, my name is Steph. And yeah. you need to be able to, you need to be able to, to translate and identify 
you know, the, the same person and, and sometimes the same property, you know, whether or not um, street is spelled with an abbreviation ST or is spelled out S-T-R-E-E-T. Um, these are all little nuances that people probably aren't thinking about when they're filling out forms, but mm -hmm. they can translate to, um, to major data quality and, and matching issues on the back end when you're trying Absolutely. to talk across. Absolutely. So that was one of, yeah, that was one of the biggest challenges. Um, but what was really great was the engineer that was working on this project happened to have a background in linguistics and oh, was able to develop. Yeah. And he developed this really, really awesome uh, name matching function based on, um, based on some of his linguistics background wow. that really helped us overcome some of those barriers. And, you know, in, in work like this, it's never going to be 100%. You're not going to, to, to get everything completely, um, completely accurate, especially when you're talking about the, the volume um, that we're working with. But, um, but yeah, we, we've done a, a very successful job um, in, in reconciling all of those things so far. Fantastic. I mean, I, I did not expect to go down this this route with this podcast stuff, but what a fantastic example of why we need to be encouraging people into data analytics from, quote unquote, non-traditional backgrounds. Someone in linguistics taking their skill set and applying it to a data analytics challenge around quality and, you know, they're therefore going forward into governance. I mean, what a Fantastic example. I did not see that one coming. So Steph, thank you so much for, yeah, for giving yeah. that. It's fantastic. Is that something you see a lot in your team then, that you have a variety of different perspectives and backgrounds within your team? Is that something that you've managed to nurture or was he just kind of a, a random one-off that just so happened to, to capitalize in this situation? It's something that has always been true about the team and that we try to be really intentional about. Mm. Uh, you know, I'm often asked, what what is the the typical analytics team member like and i can't give you an answer because everyone is coming from a different background you know we've had you know obviously um, people with linguistics backgrounds um folks that have come from marketing agencies people that have worked in um in you know planning urban planning um we had someone who was a particle physicist you know, it's just like people, people have come to us from, from all over. And I, I think that's also one of the really great things of, of doing this work in, in government is that mm -hmm. you can attract these really varied people because they're all driven by the mission. Uh, they're really excited to put their skills to work to solve problems for their community. And I, I think that's been uh, the biggest selling point that we have and is, is why we've been able to attract such, uh, you know, diverse and, and highly skilled talent, even when we're, you know, kind of up against, uh, you know, a lot of big name tech companies here in Boston and, and countless startups just down the street. Uh, yeah. You know, we still are able to bring great people in the door. I mean, I did not expect this tangent, Steph, at all, but I'm <laughs> loving it. I absolutely love it. I'm glad I've uncovered that because I think uh, there's something to be said. And I mean, you know, for obviously being in government, doing things for, for the social good, there's an easy why behind that business. But I think it really, really just consolidates the importance behind data analytics and business understanding their why, what is their mission, what is their North Star to then attract talent to that. 
So whether that is a case of giving a customer a fantastic experience that they, uh, you know, no matter what industry that is in, right? Um, you can find the real goodness behind that why. And then as you say, that will attract people from all backgrounds because they can get behind that rather than going behind the traditional, this is the skill set you need. If you don't fit in that box, move along type approach. So really, really interesting. Now, Steph, we're, we're, we're rapidly running out of time, but I wanted to go back to something that you mentioned earlier around enforcement, because we, we've gone down the journey of how you started, how you built this data set and how you can identify between whether a building is eligible for these short term licenses or not. Now, obviously, we won't name any of the big tech companies, but obviously there's a big companies out there and it's also down to the individual homeowners and property owners and then the uh the the users themselves who go into to use these short-term um letting uh, uh ability so how do we then enforce that because it's all well and good having these regulations but unless it's being forced enforced we know that sometimes you know things can slip so what what do you, what have you been doing uh, to help maintain this compliance element Absolutely. So there's three main ways that we are able to help our inspectional services department enforce this ordinance. So the first is that um, eligibility can change over time. So, um, so that eligibility data set that we created is not a static data set um, because things like property ownership or, you know, whether there's a, a violation at the property, those are things that, that can obviously change over time. So we can alert inspectional services to any change in eligibility um, for, uh, for a, a property that we know has a license so that they can reach out to, um, to that license holder. The second is that we are getting data from some of the, the big tech platforms. So they are sharing listing data with us um, so that we can confirm that all of the listings that are posted on their site have a registration number, which is in our ordinance, um, and are you know in the correct zip code and, and things of that nature. So we're getting um, some data from the listing platforms to be able to do some some double checks on on that end. And um, in the case of Airbnb, we actually have a, a agreement worked out where we can uh, we can request that they take down listings that we know are in violation of our ordinance. So um, so that's another enforcement mechanism there. And then the third piece is that we actually, um, our, our team helped with the procurement of a vendor that scours platform listings um, across, you know, dozens of, of mm. different platforms um, and basically creates a portal for us, a dashboard that shows us here are all the listings that we found within the city. We provide them with our eligibility data and our, our licensing data and they say, okay, we've identified the addresses for, you know, for these listings that we found in Boston. Um, you know, 85% of these are in compliance and we've been able to confirm that yes, they have valid short-term registration, uh, short-term rental registration numbers, um, but these 15% that we found um, do not. And so that uh, then we're able to share that data with our inspectional services department and they can follow up with those property owners um, to get them into compliance. And I mean, again, I'm just loving this episode, Steph. I mean, it's so funny because everyone's going to be see, uh, well, they're not going to see it. They're going to hear the audio, but they can't see me smiling away because it's just such a great example of combating the fear that computers, data, analytics, AI is going to take away my job. Because if you think about the effectiveness of what you've just said there, that 
we can run this through a system, we can run it through the data and say, well, this 85%, they're all compliant. We don't need to worry about them because we've, we've run the checks, but actually we, we need a human now to step into the rest of it because actually we think something's going on there, whether it's a case that they weren't aware about the regulations and they need to uh, have a conversation with the licenses, perhaps something's gone out of date. And I mean, what an effective use of their time that they're gonna be using their skill set and, and ability to uh, make sure that these regulations are upheld for community good. I mean, it's just all round a brilliant, brilliant case study. I hope you, you're, you and your team are incredibly proud of the work you've done. And I know there'll be um, many, many listeners listening in and thinking uh, how they can apply the same sort of working uh, uh, in their own organizations as well. Yeah, thank you. I, I mean, it's, it's been such a fulfilling project to work on and has touched literally every part of the analytics team, not to mention the countless departments that were, were involved in, in getting this off the ground. Um, and so it's just been a, a very rewarding thing to work on. Absolutely. So I always end, Steph, on my favorite question, which is if you could have one or two key takeaways that you'd like our listeners to bring with them for the rest of the day after they've listened to this podcast, what would those takeaways be? Yeah, I think they'd be basically two sides of the same coin. So, you know, the overall takeaway is that data and policy go hand in hand um, and that policy often can't be properly implemented or enforced without data, especially, you know, especially as we go forward. Um, and especially as so much policy and regulation is going to involve, um, you know, some sort of, uh, you know, in, engagement with technology and technology companies. That's just sort of the, the nature of the beast going forward, it looks like. Um, but on the flip side, data can't do it alone. You know, data needs subject matter experts and, and people who are, you know, familiar with, with the policy and the process to really inform us and make sure that the work that we're doing is as effective as it possibly can be. Um, and I just think that this, this short-term rental engagement was such a great example of, of working collaboratively across technical and non-technical folks and, and the results speak for themselves in terms of how the program is going. Um, and so I think those would be the, the two takeaways that, that I'd like people to bring with them. I love it. I love it. Steph, you've given me so much energy out of this podcast. I'm going to have to go for a run or something to get it all out because I'm so pumped up from just the go success. Go for a swim. <laughs> go for a swim. There we go. Round the circle off. But it's been a pleasure chatting with you today, Steph, and I look forward to uh, catching up with you soon. Thanks so much, Catherine. We hope you enjoyed that podcast episode. Do be sure to subscribe and follow the Business of Data podcast wherever you're currently listening to ensure you're always first in line to the latest episode. We'd also appreciate your review as well. So if you are listening on Apple Podcasts, please consider leaving us a review. And as always, find us on socials as well as heading over to the Business of Data platform for more forms of great content, including articles, blogs and video. Until next time, stay safe, stay well, and we'll see you real soon.